we begin a series of Advent here. And, uh, you know, in recent years, more and more churches have begun to observe the season of Advent. And uh, I was surprised to hear that some have not experienced the season of Advent until actually they came to Happy Valley. You know, not everyone, not like we have... Uh, the corner on this or whatever, and we have there are churches that celebrate this and do this. Now, I was first exposed to this when I was at Labish Center, and coming into the ministry, not knowing a lot about Christian background and history and all that, and they started out Advent season and Advent booklets and stuff like that. It was fun, enjoyed it, enjoyed learning more about what that meant, and so as we went through our years. 13 years at Labish Center and came here and we continue on with Advent. Um, I guess I was surprised to hear that some have never heard of this before or have seen it done before. And I was like, wow, it's like breathing in and breathing out for me. I'm I'm surprised. But I'm thankful that we have this opportunity together to do this. Historically, Advent is recognized as starting on the fourth Sunday before Christmas Day. this year, Advent, uh, as you well know, begins today. Uh, so there are some, some years Christmas was on a Sunday. And so we got five days, uh, five Sundays of Advent, and that was fun uh, doing that. But within the wider Christian world, Advent is actually more like Lent than it is like Christmas. In some evangelical churches, Advent has been a way to extend the Christmas season to match American culture's tendency to celebrate Christmas throughout December. And historically, though, Advent is quite distinct from Christmas. It's a time of introspection. It's a time of repentance, and it's a time of preparation. Now, at the same time, Advent is softer than Lent. Uh, while Lent focuses on the cross, Advent focuses, uh, focuses on the manger, And Lent challenges us to follow Christ to His death. Advent invites us to receive salvation from a baby. Lent calls us to rethink our lives in light of the amazing gift of Christ's death. And Advent inspires us with the mystery of the Incarnation, the primary gift that inspires us all to give gifts to each other during this season. Advent is alive with a sense of restoration, and stirring with a hope of redemption. It's, it's heavy with the longing for God to rescue us and bring us back to Himself. In our culture, the Christmas season is often associated with the fast-paced sense of hurry. The holiday rush, they call it. If you ever have been over to the Clackamas Town Center recently, you probably have experienced that. Maddie's had the joy of working during those few days there at the town center at the game store. And she's already had enough (laughs) of of that Christmas rush, holiday rush. Inevitably, we we will feel the tension of impatient shoppers and, and hectic schedules. Your December's probably pretty full already. Family gatherings have to be here and there. Um, family coming to visit, all those different things. But the Christian embrace of Advent is really a countercultural act of intentional patience. 
We wait and we hope, resisting the urge to rush ahead to the manger. We enter into the story of Israel and and share their longing for a Savior. That's hard to do, to take our time, to be patient. That's really what Advent is about. Put the brakes on, slow down, enjoy this time. John and I go over here and we pray before service. And in there, uh, I was talking to him about us. I was saying, wow, Christmas is here. I just don't want it to go so fast. (laughs) Just slow it down to enjoy this time. I really feel that, that sense of urgency in that way, to slow things down, to enjoy every part of this season. As difficult as it might be for some of you, who said goodbye to loved ones. I know. It's the first time I haven't set up my, uh, the Christmas tree for my mom in her room. And it's in my office, and I intend to set it up there and be reminded of those moments with her. It's a time to stop, though, slow down, to wait, to hope, all those things. Advent encourages us not to rush into celebration, but to reserve a part of our hearts for the hard work of preparation, so that when Christ comes, be it His his second coming or the simple knocking at the door of our hearts that occurs every day, we are ready to receive Him. Think of it this way. God is coming to your heart. Advent is a time to prepare your heart so He will feel welcome there. That's what these days are about, to prepare yourself. Advent is a time when we prepare the way in our hearts for the arrival of the Messiah. So this season of Advent, we'll discover what what means to prepare the way. The way in our hearts, the way in our lives, for Jesus. And I trust that these next few Sundays will help us through this transformative experience. So today, we will look at Zechariah's experience in the temple and discover that he is near. Found in Luke chapter 1, verses 1 through 25. Next Sunday, as we watch the angel inform Mary that she is the chosen one, we'll realize that he is among us. And then on the third Sunday of Advent, as we witness Mary's visit with Elizabeth and hear Mary's song, we'll see that He finds favor in us. And finally, on the last Sunday of Advent, after the choir sings a cantata, we'll hear about the timeless Christmas story and see that He is glorified. So that's what we have to look forward to on these Sunday messages. Today, we'll... We'll see what we can learn about preparing the way through Zechariah's story. Now, what I want us to do, instead of just reading Scripture, we're going to listen to it and watch it, actually. Uh, Those of you who have seen sand drawings before, those just amaze me. How they are able to describe and, and just create from just sand on a light board, basically. We're going to see this story unfold uh, before us in the first 25 verses of Luke, chapter 1. 
And I trust that uh, the sand drawing depiction of these verses will help us get a new sense of this portion of Scripture. So Luke chapter 1, verses 1 through 25. Let me share with you uh, four observations real quickly from this portion of Scripture in light of uh, our theme of preparing the way. First of all, in this portion of Scripture, we see the patience to wait. The patience to wait. I, I, as a child, was always difficult during Christmas time because I could not wait. Now, this was before I was a Christian, so all I knew about Christmas is that it was Christmas presents and gifts. I didn't know much about the baby in the manger at that time. Didn't find that out more until I was 18, 19 years old. But when I was a little kid, I just loved Christmas because of the presents and gifts. And I remember that I couldn't wait one year. I couldn't wait at all. And I went, I went sleuthing. I went around the house. I searched for those presents. And I found them to be in the closet. Now, maybe I'm giving away a secret place for you guys. I found them in the closet of my parents' bedroom. And they were up on the shelf. They were down and back behind things. And I looked at those, and I was like, yes! And that really didn't help much at all for me to be patient and wait for Christmas. Because I knew what I was going to be getting, and I really, really wanted to get them. And so I just kept on reminding myself, got to wait, got to wait, got to wait, got to wait. And Christmas came, was able to come down to the Christmas tree. Gifts were all wrapped. And yeah, I put on a show about, wow, look at that. You know, but man, was it tough to wait for those gifts. I imagine for you, there are some moments in your life where you find it difficult to wait. You're anticipating something to happen. And you just can't wait. In fact, you probably even say that phrase in your mind, I just can't wait until whatever it might be. And you can fill in that blank. In the story of Zechariah and Elizabeth, we find a, a microcosm of the larger story of Israel here. And truly all of creation. Theirs is a story marked by waiting and hoping. For years they longed to have children, but had come to terms with the harsh reality that their eyes would never see the fulfillment of this hope and their hearts would never experience the joy of this longing. Exiled in the desert of waiting, they thought they would never see the promise. You know, this is the sense that marks the Advent season. It is a time of waiting, it's a time of longing, and it's also a time and a season of hope. We remember our separation from God because of our sin, our hearts ache for Him to come and deliver us. And we enter into the ancient longing of Israel, looking for the arrival of the promised Messiah. And like Zechariah and Elizabeth, their hope waned in the stifling silence of God. Would it ever happen? Would this hope ever become reality? So we see a patience to wait here. But there's also a longing as well. We also see here in this portion of Scripture the answer to prayer. The answer to prayer. And despite his disappointment, we still find Zechariah in worship. He hasn't let his heart break 
and, and, and go to pieces. He, he, becomes, he doesn't become bitter against God. Why haven't you done this for... He goes to the temple and he prays. He's in the temple, he's worshiping and faithfully at work as a priest when God breaks into his worship and reveals a miraculous message. An angel appears to him with this proclamation, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Isn't this the great promise of Advent? Do not be afraid. Your prayer has been heard. And I trust that during this time of year, as you've been praying, asking God to meet a certain need, provide in your life, you continue to pray, and the fear that might creep into your life, God is trying to replace that with His hope, with His comfort and His peace, to know that your prayer has been heard. We all were in desperate need for a Savior, and God heard our prayer. Advent is a reminder that we serve a God who hears our prayers and moves with compassion and mercy to answer them according to our will. No, no, no. According to His will. I hope you caught that. Did I wake you up? According to God's will, He will answer those prayers. So what prayer remains unanswered in your life? What longing is yet unfulfilled in your life? What need or, or what fear, what obstacle threatens you during this time of year? Do not be afraid. Your prayer has been heard. Trust God to answer according to His will and according to His wisdom and according to His timing, which is difficult sometimes. But most importantly, according to His love for you. He knows what you need. He knows what's best for you. Hang on to that. So there's that answer to prayer. There are also, too, we see here a third thing, the miracle of life. You see the miracle of life. Strange thing happens. A strange thing happens when God starts to draw near. When Jesus shows up, life begins to stir in the most impossible places. From barren wombs to occupied tombs, life springs up where you would least expect it. Keep that in mind as you submit your prayers to Him, as you Submit your longings as you are anticipating what He's going to do in your life. Trusting in Him for the answers to your prayers in those impossible moments. Isn't it beautiful that God fulfills the age-old longing of Israel by answering the prayer of a small but faithful family? He answers the prayer of Zechariah, Elizabeth, but then along with that, ushers in that age-long desire that Israel had. 
He sets into motion a plan that will rescue all of creation, but begins by answering the prayer of a single woman named Elizabeth. It's just like him. Just like God to do it that way. Having the big picture in mind, of course, he's got that all before him. He knows all about it. He also knows about your particular need. And he knows how to meet that need. Simultaneously accomplishing a sweeping deliverance for a nation, also a a miracle for a mother. Do you believe that God cares as much about your needs as He does the needs of the nation or the world? Because we, we pray for all these things, and then we kind of categorize them. We kind of list them as far as of importance. Oh, you know, we've got all these needs in the world and hunger and, 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 and war and, and strife and everything else going on, shootings and all over the place and people needing God's comfort and hope and and, and you list those things up there and, and you think, well, but my need is not that great compared to. But God doesn't compare to. <laughs> he hears the prayers. He doesn't have a top ten listing as far as importance there. He's a God that wants to meet the needs of the people who come to Him. And He wants to meet your need, no matter what it is. And I imagine looking around here in this room, there are a lot of people who have different needs here. Different things. You've come today with probably some burdens on your heart, concerns, and you're trusting God for those things. We go around this room and share. I'm not going to do that. Uh, We go around this room and share. I'm sure we would hear a lot of different needs going on thing is, God hears that already as you've prayed, as you've offered that up to Him. He's heard that. He knows what you're going through. He knows what you need. And He wants to meet that need. Do you believe that He wants to provide for both worldwide need as well as your particular need? He can do it. He can do it. And here we had that miracle of life given to Elizabeth and Zechariah that begins everything into motion of his plan for salvation. And then finally we see the question of Christmas. And despite the miracle unfolding before his eyes and despite the thrill of the long-awaited news, Zechariah responds with a question. He asks, how can I be sure of this? How can I be sure of this? Now, remember, he's before an angel right now. Can you just imagine the angel looking around at the flaming light and also to the heavenly holiness and and thinking, what more do you want? (laughs) What more do you want in this? How can you be sure? Then he goes on, Zechariah goes on to list the obstacles against this becoming reality. I'm too old. My wife's too old. This kind of thing doesn't happen for people like us. Are you sure you got the right people? As a result of asking this question, then his ability to speak is taken away until the promise comes to pass. 
And then some of us might be going, okay, well, does this mean that God punishes us for asking questions? I knew it. I'm not asking any more questions at all because I want to be able to speak. (laughs) No, that's not what that means. God welcomes our questions. He welcomes our questions. He's big enough to handle them and help us as we wrestle with them. You might have some questions for God about how come this didn't happen or how come these things were going on? How come you allowed this to happen? Don't be afraid to voice your questions to Him. He knows that when you ask questions, it is a sign that you think He has the answer. You don't go to someone with questions thinking, well, they won't have an answer for it. You go to someone with a question, hoping they have that answer. And so as you go to God with some questions on your heart, better believe He's the one that we need to go to because He does have those answers. In fact, Mary also asks a question when this same angel Gabriel appears to her. How will this be since I'm a virgin, she she says. So then what's the difference between Mary and Zechariah's question? Maybe, Maybe in Mary's case, we have a young girl who is asking honest questions about logistics, even while believing that this miracle is somehow possible for God. In Zechariah's case, we have a seasoned priest who, who wants to know how he can be sure that God will do what he promised. There's a difference between those two questions of Mary's and Zechariah's, and it's an issue of trust. We hit up against that a lot, don't we? We pray for God to work in our lives or work in someone else's life. We pray for miraculous healing. We ask God to meet the need in this person's life and these situations. And then when it doesn't seem to come about the way we thought it would come about, our our trust takes a hit. We start, well, God, I (laughs) I thought this is what you'd want. It's an issue of trust. Zechariah here is not sure that God is able to do the impossible. Are you sure? Are you sure this is going to happen? Have you ever been met with the impossible? Maybe you're living in that moment right now. Maybe there's a relationship in your life that you're thinking, how can this be, be mended? It's an impossible situation. Whatever it might be in your life, you're thinking, I'm not sure how it's going to happen. And see, the difference between trusting and not trusting is, is the, 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 the emphasis behind the question. Instead of, are you sure you can do the impossible? Compared to, how is this going to happen? This is an impossible situation. I know, God, you can do the impossible, but it's curious. How is it going to happen? And that's where we anticipate how God's going to answer the prayers that we give to Him. We pray. We believe He'll answer. How He's going to answer? Well, that's up to God, and we just wait in anticipation. 
patiently waiting. Do you need God to do the impossible in your life? Trust Him because He is good. And He gives good things to His children. He knows what you need, when you need it, how much you need it. (laughs) He knows all these things. And He will provide for your need. Practice the discipline of waiting. It's a tough one. To wait patiently. Remember the stories from Scripture when God hears the prayers of His people and moves in compassion. It will require divinely cultivated patience. You'll need to have that patience from God. But hold on to the hope that He is up to the impossible. God can do this. He is able to do this. Anything here, God teaches us a lot of different things. But I trust that during this first Sunday of Advent, we can realize that He is here. He draws near to us. If Advent teaches us anything, I trust that that will help, uh, that will, it, we'll get that lesson. God is also in the business of bringing about the impossible. After generations of waiting and longing and hoping in darkness, Advent is that first sign of dawn. And we see that God is on the move. And the impossible starts to become the commonplace as He draws near. As God draws near to you, watch for that to happen. Do you sense, Emmanuel, God with us? Do you sense Emmanuel in your struggles? Do you sense Emmanuel in your impossibilities? Come to the manger and draw close to him. As James tells us in chapter 4, verse 8, that God will come near to us when we come near to him. Do you struggle with waiting? Maybe God hasn't answered your prayers in the timing you expect. Don't give up. Keep on Praying, pray without ceasing, Scripture tells us. Continue to pray. Do you see the story of Israel aligning with your own life story? Are there there some similarities you see there? Track that, watch that as you go through this Advent season, how your situation is happening in light of this season of Advent. Then anticipate how God is going to work in your situation and bring the, bring the possible from within the impossible. God can do it. He's up to the task. We just need to trust in Him. Do you need God to do the impossible in, in your life? Trust Him. Trust Him if you need that to happen. I'm going to have the worship team come on up and lead us in the last couple songs. And if you are going through a situation in your life where you are living in the land of impossible, realize that God, as you draw close to Him, draw near to you, and you'll be able to walk through that land of impossible because of the God we serve, the God that provides possible through it. As, as we sing these songs, if you want to come and pray, sure can. But let's start off this Advent season letting God know 
that whatever's in your life, whatever's the obstacle going on in your life, you give that over to Him. You allow Him to work through it. Allow God to do the possible in your life through that impossibility.